he and Brother Joe Campatella taught a um, outreach Bible study soul winning seminar yesterday and Friday night and Saturday and then they they prevailed upon him to stay and preach this morning so he prevailed upon me and here I am and I'm glad because the Lord has now prevailed upon me I thank God for that hallelujah Beautiful people today. I know that it's going to be a happy day for anyone who stands behind this pulpit when they figure out what's making that thump, 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 thump. In years past, it used to come from somewhere in a drum cage, but um, uh, that wouldn't be uh, Terrell's fault either. That's the other kind of thump that was sounding real good early this morning, earlier in this service. Um, I want to minister a few minutes this morning on some things that the Lord has been, of course, dealing with me about and moving on my soul. A realness. Um, as I was studying for this, I thought about an article I read in Reader's Digest a few days ago because I'm going to be studying, we're going to be preaching about something that to the carnal person may seem like science fiction. <laughs> we're going to talk about the world, the world that is seen and the world that is unseen. There is truly a par- There are truly parallel worlds in which we live and walk every day. And we're going to talk about that today because it's real. It's as real as God And uh, God is as real as the sun that shines every day, for he created it. Hallelujah. But I read in Reader's Digest a few days ago about uh, some quotes from Stephen King, which is the the king of, you know, terror and scary things and books. And later they made movies, I think, off of some of his books. But... For whatever reason, it just made me feel good to think that a man that, that seems that far out in left field believes in God and professes God. And uh, he, he was quoted. It was a whole page of quotes from him in the Reader's Digest. And he was quoted as answering someone who was asking about his belief in God. He said, I believe in God because I choose to believe in God. I believe in God because it makes life better. And his... His way of expressing God, whatever. But he, when he's speaking of God, he's speaking of God as we know him, not as some weird deal. And his books are his books, but apparently he has some realness in his knowledge about God. And he was he gave a little quote that he, part of his gradu, a speech he gave at a graduation of a college in the state of Maine. And he said, uh, I think he must have some some uh, roots in Maine as well because he included himself when he said, we believe that God likes Maine better than any other place in the United States because he lets his sun shine on us first every day. (laughs) And so it was interesting that that means very little about my message, but it's just some things I've been reading. I like to know of different people who believe in God. There's so many people that have control of the uh, media and the uh, 
various means of communication that would like for us to believe that the greater number does not believe in God. So every time I hear of a person who is very talented and very well known, I'd like to know if they believe in God. If they do, I'm just, I may use that and tell people about it. It's okay. You know, I, I'm not the only one that has the right to believe in God. We all have that right and should. But speaking of science fiction, this is not science fiction today. Um, Job began to write some things. In the book of Job, it began to be written. In Job 28, beginning with verse 1, I'm, just going, I'm going to read several passages that will take a little bit, but follow me and you'll find it interesting, I believe. Job, in the book of Job, it began to say, Surely there is a vein full of silver, a place for gold, where they find it. Where they find it? In the earth. Iron is taken out of the earth, and brass is molten out of the stone. He setteth an end to darkness and searcheth out perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. The flood breaketh out from the inhabitant, even the waters forgotten of the foot. They are dried up. They are gone away from men. He's speaking of things that are in the earth. He's speaking of the waters that used to be upon the earth that have soaked and went down into and formed underground water. Verse 5, As for the earth, out of it cometh bread. Under, and under it is turned up, as it were, fire. Somehow, even back in the day of Job, they knew that the center of the earth was molten and hot. Verse 6, the stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. Now, that's the seen world. That's the world that we can dig deep enough and search far enough and find in this earth. Then he goes on in verse 7. He, I'll use the word and come out with the word, but there is. But I want to say the difference is, but there is a path. Now, he began the first verse by saying there is a vein. And he began to talk about the veins of gold and other things in the earth. Now he says, but there is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. It never rots, it never deteriorates, it never dies. There is a path, verse 8. The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He putteth forth his hand upon the rock. He overturneth the mountains by the roots. He cutteth out rivers among the rocks. His eye seeth every precious thing. He bindeth the floods from overflowing. One scripture said he causes the oceans to be held within their place. And the thing that is hid bringeth he forth to light. Now, I believe if you read this chapter, you'll see that it, it, that it begins now in the next verse to talk about wisdom. But the interesting thing is, even though this could be speaking of wisdom in these last few verses that I'm speaking to you about, that is obviously the supernatural, the unseen world. The first part of these verses was the seen world, the veins of gold and things we can dig and find. But then the next part is saying the vulture's eyes never seen it. The lions never walked by it. People have never been able to put their hand on it. This is the unseen world. 
the, that, that has power to turn over mountains, the unseen world, and uh, thing that has the power to keep the water and the oceans back within their bounds. This is the power of God. But it speaks of it in He, and so usually when the Bible is speaking of wisdom, it calls it a, her a she, wisdom, she. So I believe this is more talking, it is, of course, God is wisdom, wisdom is God if it's truly, truly. But this is speaking of the eternal. First it's speaking of the natural earth, the physical world, then it's speaking of the spiritual world, that which cannot be seen, the supernatural world. So we are daily living in a parallel world. We are. We may not think about it every day, but the Bible bears it out in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different places. Mark chapter 30 speaks of this time, in this world, and then in the world to come, eternal life. And then Hebrews 6, 4 it speaks of those that's tasted of the heavenly gift, the Holy Ghost, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. And so the Bible tells us about this world and the world to come. So the world to come has not been fully revealed yet, but it's there. And we find out that ever so often that world kind of pops into this world. I'm going to give you some examples from the Bible and even from my own life. There's sometimes that that power kind of pops over here, and I'm thankful for those times that this world reaches over there occasionally. And thank God I have the privilege every now and then in a time of prayer, in a time of worship, even in a time of preaching, where I kind of pop over in that world a little bit and get a handful and bring it back. Hallelujah. And it's real. Oh, is it real? I have had the privilege of seeing my children grow up and then watch them begin to do things for God. And uh, Lacey was quieter. She's like I used to be when I was very young and uh, shy and uh, kind of withdrawn. And you would think the way she acted, withdrawn, that she didn't like people very much. But... Um, but she's kind of learned to do okay. And, um, but, see, honey, you've got me all messed up now. Just thinking about you gets me excited. <clears throat> Get me all scrambled up. But to see my children grow and see them serve the Lord. But here's the special part, is to see that first time, like with, with all of them, but with Lacey, as shy and withdrawn as she was, not quite like, Jason, <laughs> but, uh, but to see her to find that place, God made a way. Brother Chad Wicker had been doing some sign language with others, and then uh, his other uh, sign language partner moved away, and, and uh, Lacey found a niche, and she began to sign, thank God, for people. You never know really what you do, even if you're just a young person growing up in the church, when you kind of pull somebody, influence somebody in some good way, it can make an absolute lasting effect that could actually ultimately determine people's eternal destination because of the other people they might touch and reach. 
So it's a wonderful thing for us to think of others and reach out and pull others in. I thank God for that. And to see that first time that Lacey was signing because she really hadn't been on the platform in other capacities. And to see that anointing just pow, hit her. And just see it as though she just completely, you can tell, she's lost it. She's, it's not her anymore. It's all God. And I remember the first time Chad not being a preacher and, and not singing solos, but signing. And in that song of signing, to see that first time, and not everybody that's not a preacher gets to feel that depth of it. Yes, when you, when you feel the power of God come on you, it's similar. But there is something special about an actual abiding anointing and, and, that, and that, that power of anointing that comes upon a person. In the Old Testament, it, it says that. Like even Samson, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of God is here always. It's in your life always. But there are times that there's something great that needs to be done that the Spirit of God comes upon us in a very special way. Some of that world pops over into this world. <laughs> And then, see, to see Brother Chad, see that thing happen to him, even though he's not a preacher, and ordinarily you wouldn't have that privilege of that anointing that you just can't explain. But when you begin to serve the Lord, and even when you begin to pray for other people, you begin to lay hands on people, or you begin to worship and really get over, let yourself go into the Spirit, you can experience the touch of that other world that is right there, it's as close as calling the name of Jesus. It's as close as the mention of His name. But to see that happen is a wonderful thing. And I've seen it happen in other capacities, even in the audience here. Thank God. Thank God. That, that moment when a person feels that they're just about to give a message in other tongues or to interpret a message from other tongues. And I'm talking about supernatural. Not like Brother Stan was doing today when he learned Spanish and spoke to us. But, uh, but he also speaks in tongues, unknown. But to feel that power is amazing. I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of splashing in shallow water for a minute, but, I, but there's something great that God wants us to understand today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 has a little bit to say about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. For which cause we faint not, for though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. There isn't even a visible and invisible you. There is a natural and supernatural you. There is an inward and outward you. In me. And even 2 Corinthians 4, now 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And then it goes on in verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So this very, makes it very, very clear that we should know that we live with, with the opportunity and with the, with the capacity to be affected by parallel worlds, the seen and the unseen, the temporal and the eternal. 
When we realize this, we begin to actually yield ourselves to God and be used of God in greater ways than we ever would before understanding this. And that's my hope today that we'll find deeper things in God and be used of God in a great way. The seen and the unseen, the things that are temporary and the things that are eternal, things that you can see, that vein in the earth that I read about from Job, that's the things we can see. That's the things we can dig out of the earth. But then that's other things he's talking about. You can't see it. You can't dig it out of the earth. We can dig it out of heaven. We can reach up into heaven through prayer, through faith, through worship, and pull it down into our heart and even into our world to affect others. Amen. Amen. You know, the hand clapping that takes place during preaching these days, it hadn't always been quite that way. We have the use of microphones now, so clap on, and I'll keep preaching. But, you know, uh, I remember the day when we didn't have the microphones, and, and either one of two things would happen. Either the preacher would stop and let them get finished, and then he'd keep preaching, or he'd just keep on preaching. You didn't hear a word he said, but you felt it. You felt it. And I'll tell you what, sometimes people talk about, well, I can't hear, I can't hear, I can't hear. There's sometimes we need to quit hearing this world, and we need to start hearing that world. That world don't have to have sound. That world don't have to have a microphone. That world don't need vocal cords. Woo! Hallelujah. Then let's jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Behold, it's written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, when we first read this, and in my first reading, and even for a few years of reading, I thought of this as heaven. And certainly it includes heaven, but it doesn't wait for eternal life. It is right here and now. Because it goes on to say, when it speaks about eyes not seen, ears not heard, the tenth verse says, but God hath revealed them, not going to, but hath means already, revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Let's keep hearing it. Let's keep going. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Otherwise, there's things about you that no psychiatrist, psychologist, or anybody can dig out. There's things about you that your wife, your husband, nobody can fully understand. So if you've got that little phrase in your life that says nobody understands, duh, we all have it. This Scripture says it's there. There are some things about us, no, Nobody is going to understand except God alone. And but we are aware of it. And we may have full understanding, but there's some things we may have limited. We definitely do. And some things have a limited understanding of it. But it's there. And the Bible says there's some things that are spiritual and that are so deep within us that only the spirit of man himself can understand what's going on. And there's some things about God that cannot be understood, save only the Spirit of God can understand the things of God. So that is why we need the Holy Ghost so desperately in our life. Verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man, 
which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received, comma, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in words, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There are just some things that are on a certain level that only the spiritual understand the spiritual. Only the spirit of man, the spiritual person within you, the spiritual person you are inside, understands some of the deeper spiritual things about yourself. And that's why we need to take, we need to get, we need to touch God on a level that's far beyond that and far beyond Woo! that. We need to touch God on a level that is 100% spiritual. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. It is not even entered into the natural heart of a man. There's a place like that. There's a place like that that will, that will, that will solve things in your spirit or in your mind or heart instantly. Instantly. I just want us, as we feel this presence of God, there's more and more people feeling what I'm feeling right now. There's this presence of God. As I begin to speak and as you begin to reach and you begin to pull in and open up, you begin to feel it. And then things begin to happen. While I'm preaching, supernatural healings can and I believe will take place while I'm preaching today. Hey, let's praise the Lord a minute. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord Almighty. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Almighty. There are, there are some things that can only be seen at a certain level. You know, otherwise the higher you climb in this world, like a mountain or up a high tree or some high even up in an air balloon or a plane, the higher you climb, the further you see, typically. In, in the right, you know, right, reasonable atmosphere. Secondly, the deeper we swim, the more we see. In the depths, I'm a certified scuba diver, and we, uh, some, me and some of the brethren in the church had some great time scuba diving. And... Uh, I found out that there's some things down there. And matter of fact, if you go down deep enough and stay long enough, you'll see things that are not even there. <laughs> it's called narcosis. <laughs> yeah, similar to narcotics. Yes, similar. <laughs> they showed us, when we was going through the train, they showed us, pictures and films of people that got down there and thought they were a fish. They took the air regulator out of the mouth and started going. <laughs> you stay down deep enough, long enough, you might get drunk. <laughs> oh, that's right. On the day of Pentecost, they thought they were drunk. <laughs> the deeper you swim, the more you can see in the depths and the deeper you dig the more opportunity there is to find. Seek you shall find. Knock it shall be opened. Ask you shall receive. 
there is a way to reach into that world and bring it over into the help we need in this world. And Lord, don't you know we need help in this world? Praise God. What is it? You know, I've got to be careful. I could just put so many things in here, but uh, there's so many wonderful things to talk about. Like the four lepers that was in, they were in an impossible, absolutely bad situation. Inside the city, there was no food coming over the walls, no scraps. As lepers, they were outcast. They were not allowed because of the contagious situation. And so they had to live isolated away from the uh, population. No food coming over the walls anymore because Samaria was uh, besieged by armies and they wouldn't allow any food in or any, any supplies in. People even began to eat doves' uh, droppings. And they began to eat. I, I know this is aggravating you, me too, but please bear with me. I, it helps me. <laughs> but... Um, um, and, and so they were hungry in there. So they, the four lepers had that, and they, they thought about it, and they said, why sit right here until we just die? We know there's nothing going to come over the wall, and there's a Syrian camp of the enemy of Israel, which would be our enemy too, uh, over, over there, and, but they, and they're an army. But at least they have something to eat. So the, the, if we sit here, we're going to die, and if we go over there, the most that can happen is we'll die. And that's going to happen here if we stay here and starve to death. So let's go over there. And the Bible said because they took that adventurous journey of faith. They began to walk toward that Syrian army encampment. And as they walked, the Lord made it sound, I'm assuming their own footsteps or whatever else, heaven and his holy angels, his hosts, created. The, the, the Syrians heard it as a mighty army marching toward them. And they just jumped up and ran. When the four lepers got there, there, were, there was hot food on the table. <laughs> the beds were pulled back, ready to climb in. Everything they needed, there was silver and gold and, and, and weapons and everything they could possibly need was right there. They just got up and ran. Why? Because heaven stepped over here. That other world stepped over here and let the footsteps of angels drive away the enemy. Hallelujah. It does happen. It really does happen. It really does happen. Praise the Lord Jesus. John 20, 29, Jesus said, Thomas, so I'm going to say this to you because we, don't, we can't always live on the unseen. We do have to live in this, what we call the real world. And I've heard pastors say it several times. Pastor Jason has said, the most real of all worlds is not really this one, it's that one. Because that was before this. But whatever to us, this is the real world to us and our humanity. But there are times that we simply um, have to rely day by day on the, what we call the real world. The world that can be seen. We have to do business every day. We have to, we have to interact and really... We have to do the natural things that receive a natural response from, and that, that's, that's how we live. But at the same time, always know we have two worlds accessible to us at all times. Sister T may tell it tonight, but I can't wait. She forgot to renew her passport, and, you know, we're human. We forget things. She's, as some of you know, she's getting ready to go to Thailand. She's Thai. 
and uh, she's a citizen there. And, and so her passport, you can't go wait in line at some embassy here. She, she's a Thai citizen. She's fixing to work on American citizenship. She is legal, <laughs> but she's not a full citizen yet. And so, she's, she, so she had to get her passport renewed all the way in Thailand. She didn't have it, and she called the embassy in Washington, D.C., the Thailand embassy in Washington, D.C., and it was a very small staff there, and she kept getting the same person. They just had a rotten attitude. <laughs> they didn't want to help her a bit. They told her it was impossible. They said it takes two, a couple of months or so to get this done, all the way to Bangkok, all the way back, all the hands it has to go through, all of the, all of the miles it has to travel. It takes a long time. But I, my advice to her is keep on calling, keep on trying. And of course, we're all keeping on praying. A lot of you have been praying. Well, you, well, what do you know? She finally got a hold of somebody in Thai, Bangkok, Thailand, at the, at the State Department of Thailand. And they said, I tell you what, you, you go online, fill out these papers, and you overnight them. Thank God for FedEx sometimes. <laughs> FedEx zoomed them over there overnight. They got over there. And they, they, they said, if you'll do that, we'll expedite it, we'll pass it, we'll get it done. If there's no problems with you, there's no problem. You, but you've got to have every paper. You've got to have every signature at the right place. You've got to have every date exactly right. You've got to have exactly the right documents. Because you, I mean, there's so many things that had to be exactly right. And then they had to get there, and then there it gets there. And how many knows that, goodness gracious, even if it's just in the county or just across town sometimes, it can sit somewhere for days. But it's got to get to the right hands and get to the right exact situation. And we've got to turn it around the same day and put it right back in FedEx. And it's got to go all those miles and be transferred from plane to plane and from plane to truck and so forth. And it's got to get all the way back to your address. That's a long way there and back. And yes, she sent it off just about three days or so ago, three or four at the most. And Lord, yes, yesterday about midday at her address was her brand new passport. <laughs> Praise God. My, my. My, my. Praise the Lord. That's a praying girl right there. This is a praying church right here. And there's a God in heaven. Say, can it be done? Well, according to most people in the Thailand State Department, according to their embassy, it could not be done. But, <laughs> but there are some things that can be done. And Brother Stan and them, I'll be glad when they have a chance to tell us there's some impossible things that happened just last week in Cuba for them that couldn't be done, but it did happen because there's another world that the power of that world comes into this world and changes situations. It's true. It's real. It's too late for somebody to tell me it's not real. I've already had too many experiences even right on up to this very time. And, of course, then there's that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And there's that one in Hebrews 11, verse 1, said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So there are some things not seen that can only be activated by faith. Recently, I was at a funeral of a woman that was Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus' name baptized, overflowing, victorious, sweet little lady of God, very up in age. She passed on. 
and her son-in-law got up and told a story that when the last day of her life in their home, in her home, Hospice was sitting there, and there's a little dog that just this woman loves so dearly. And this dog would always be up on the bed, even the, in the hospice, you know, just right there. And she every now and then, even she couldn't open her eyes or she couldn't speak, she'd, they'd, she'd see her hand, and she'd find that dog and touch it. All of a sudden, that dog start, it gets down on the floor and goes over to an empty corner and just, I don't know what Pekingese is interpreted as. <laughs> but one of them, I believe it was the uh, hospice lady, nurse, said, what is that dog barking at? Well, what she didn't understand was the relationship this woman had with another world. And there's something obviously going on in that corner that was empty to this world. But very likely a visitor from another world standing in the corner waiting for that moment when that precious jewel would be taken, the soul, back to God. <laughs> I believe in that other world because there's just too many things that prove it. Thank the Lord. Well, I don't want to stir people up and get too spooky with animals, but it's a fact. I can prove it by the Bible. Angels, in some cases, are far more sensitive to supernatural things than humans are. I can prove it. You ever heard of a guy named Balaam? You ever heard of a guy's donkey? I don't know his name, but he was just donkey. But Balaam had a donkey, and there was an angel standing there with his sword drawn, could have whacked Balaam's head off, and Balaam don't see the angel, but the donkey does. I can prove by the Bible that sometimes when God wants it that way, animals can see and sense things we don't. I don't understand that, but anyway. Maybe it's because they don't have all the knowledge we have, and so they can be affected easier. We have to press through all this human doubt and all this, you know, smartness to see an angel. <laughs> we have to think about all the impossibilities to think of the, that the impossible could happen, but not the animals. They're not quite as smart as we are, so they can see things maybe. They don't have to have overcome all that. Who knows? I remember my Uncle Aro, the one that actually founded this church on the other side of town where I first started pastoring back in the early 40s, 1940s. I don't know why I said 1940s. What do I think? 2040? I don't think so. Uncle Laura built this church and, and founded it and founded a lot of churches across the southeastern United States, some of which are still going on, including this one. Of course, it got completely away from the Barnums for many, many years as far as the pastoralship. That my Kim folks kept coming here, and eventually I ended up here. But my Uncle Aro was a man of God, and my, my dad really, really was closely uh, connected with him, on not only a natural level, but a spiritual level. 
And Uncle Arlo would go build a church. There were several times that my dad moved our whole family to wherever Uncle Arlo was starting the church and help him start the church. My dad was a preacher also. And uh, we had, they started several churches, and I remember moving several places to help Uncle Arlo. And back before I was born, even more than that, I think, my family. But when Uncle Arlo uh, was, it was back 1964, 1964, I was 11 years old, and one night, Dad's hound dogs began to howl. They didn't do that. Dad wouldn't put up with it. Dad didn't use a rolled-up newspaper. He used anything, belt, stick, whatever. Them dogs are going to do what he said. He's dead. You can't prosecute him. <laughs> Peter can't go get him. Whatever that is. I don't know if that's right. Anyway, um, tell you a lot of things about country people that people don't in the city don't like to hear. But anyway, so but but Dad couldn't stop them. They howled all night, and uh, Dad really trained some incredible coon dogs. He was a coon hunter. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't allow him to trail anything but a coon. No armadillos, no possums. Boy, he trained them. You know, they got the bad end of the stick. <laughs> yeah, he trained them. And people envied that dog and his dogs and him. But those dogs got to howling that night, howled and howled and howled and howled all night long. The next morning, my Uncle Aro was killed in a car accident. Of course, my daddy always believed that through those dogs, that my dad, of course, loved those coon dogs, <laughs> hound dogs. They were giving him that warning that something was going on. I don't understand all of it, and definitely I don't think we ought to put a whole bunch of confidence in that type of thing, but I am saying to you that there is more than one world, and there is a connection very clearly every day, not just occasionally, but on a constant basis, there is a connection between the two worlds. Praise God. I don't understand everything. When I was um, when I was 16 years old, I had, I really dedicated my life to God. I actually received the Holy Ghost when I was seven, but I never really stayed steady until I was 16. I really began to live for the Lord and and really committed. And one night, a few months after that, we had an evangelist with us. And back in those days, we had no motels even within driving distance. Didn't have enough money to put them in a the motel anyway. Just lucky if the evangelist got an offering in a little church in Bellevue back then. Dad was pastoring. I was 16 years old, just really committed my life to God. And really been, but I was serious. I was praying. I was seeking God. I'm telling you, I don't care how young you are. You can pray and seek God until that world comes over into your world. It happens. And I, I, that night, there again, being poor like we were, we slept wherever we could. And, and uh, these days it seems awful weird, at least to me it does. But uh, when I was younger, it wasn't anything for sometimes three or four boys to sleep in the same bed. My word, you wake up, somebody's foot in your face. You know, you never know in the country like that. But, uh, but I, I, this evangelist, which was several years older than me, but single, and myself, we prayed in the room on our knees for a while before we went to bed. And then I got in the bed against the wall, and there again, even back then, I was pretty sensitive, so I went to sleep like this. <laughs> but as soon as I crossed my arms like this, the other the evangelist was still awake, and I was aware of him. But I couldn't, I'd, somehow I had slipped over into that world. I couldn't respond to it. And as soon as I crossed my arms like this, 
I've never been in the space shuttle, but I think it would be much more powerful than the space shuttle growing up. It felt like I was had all kind of G-force. It felt like my face was pulling back against my skeletal bones, and I felt like I was just going upwards like the most powerful rocket I could even imagine. And I shoom, I went up into the air, and all of a sudden, I got up to a certain point, and I just stopped. It just suspended there. And all of a sudden, angels were everywhere around me, everywhere. Interestingly, God didn't let me see an exact image, but it was like wisps of fog or smoke. But there was enough structure there that I knew it was angels, plus God revealed it. And I was there, and I could hear... I must have been trembling or something because this evangelist, I could hear him saying, Brother James, Brother James. I was trying everything in my soul to answer him, but I couldn't answer him. I could hear him and tell you the truth, I didn't want to answer him. <laughs> it was too good. And I was just there suspended with this heavenly host around me. And the next thing I remember, I woke up the next morning. And the first thing he said to me is, what in the world was wrong with you last night? <laughs> I said, and, you know, of course, I remembered, but I didn't know what he was referring to. So I said, what do you mean? He said, I called you. I even shook you. And you, was, you were breathing. I had to see if you were breathing. So I just left you alone. I figured, my word, how can somebody fall asleep that fast, that deep? But he said, you instantaneously went, as it were, to sleep. But I knew what was going on. Let me just tell you, this is just the way it was. I remember it just like it's me standing here right now. The next day when I got out of the bed and stepped on the floor, I felt like I was walking on about six or eight inches of foam rubber. And it lasted about three days. It gradually wore off. On the second day, it was on the last. Third day, it last. That fourth day, oh, Lord, have mercy. I was back to having to pray through again. But there is another world that comes to us. And if we will just give ourselves to God, that other world comes to help us when we need it. Jesus. Jesus. That first church building over there, we was adding on to it back in 1974, something like that, late 3 or 74. We were adding on to that first little building, extending it, and I was we put the sh all the plywood on the roof, and I was trying to unroll the felt tar paper across it, and and uh, I was it was next morning I was by myself. All the men would come in after work and work. Sometimes they'd take a day off, but most of the time I was there by myself during the day, and it, I saw this huge dark cloud coming over me, and I knew it was about to pour down rain. It was just that time I knew it was. I mean, I knew it. And, all, and I just said, I started praying. And I was up there with that felt paper, and I'd put it on the end, and I'd tack it down with those uh, felt nails, and I'd just kick it and roll it out across that. I was working as fast as I could, but, you know, as uh, fast as I could. I mean, that storm was coming so fast. I was saying, God help me. Back in those days, I don't know for sure if it would have, but I assumed, and maybe they didn't have it uh, formulated like they do now, but I, I assumed that the rain would ruin the, the, the plywood. And so I was begging God, Lord, help me to get this roof covered. We don't have money to re-roof re this thing. Help me to get this thing covered. And all of a sudden, this kind of old raggedy pickup truck, it was a dirt road at that time over there, the old raggedy pickup truck comes barreling down that little sandy road, slammed on brakes and partially slid, slid sideways, didn't even get out of the road. It was a little side sandy street anyway. Jumped out of his truck and came running and missed, skipped some steps running up that ladder so fast and came up there and said, let's get with it. 
And I said, yeah. And we got that thing done quicker than I even dreamed we could. Two, mans is a, two men are a whole lot better when you're handling something long like that. And we got that thing done, and he just went right back down the steps when we got done, jumped in that pickup truck, put it in drive, and shoom, took off again, spinning dirt everywhere. The only thing I can tell you is I don't know if angels drive pickup trucks, but if they do, don't get in their way. They're used to traveling fast. There's no doubt in my mind either God sent a human or an angelic angel, but I got one from the other world somehow or another, and I never saw him before or since, but God took care of me. God took care of the church's roof. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is an unseen world. There is an unseen world. There are the good things and the bad things that we have to deal with in that unseen world, that parallel world that we're living in and with right now. This moment as we sit here, it is real as we can see even in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Jacob got a touch of that unseen world when he was praying before God alone in the darkness and suddenly a hand grabbed him in the darkness. You can imagine the terror and the fear and darkness praying and a hand grab you like that in the, out in the outside in the wilderness of Judea. And there he suddenly grabbed back at that thing and they began to wrestle the ground. And after a while he realized it was something more than a beast or something. He knew it was from heaven. He knew he had tapped into that world to come. He knew he had had a special occasion where he could touch and bring something out of the world back into his life. And he wrestled. And the Bible said he wrestled with that angel. And when the angel said, it's getting daylight, let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And angel and that angel was, was there and Jacob held on until he changed him. He transformed him and even changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Amen. Thus we have the children of Israel. Praise God. Let's praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. But then the Apostle Paul tells us about his work in Ephesus. We read about the powerful work in Ephesus. Oh, my word, we read about how great it was, how wonderful it was that, that uh, Paul came through there and he dropped off Priscilla and Aquila and went on to Pentecost in Jerusalem and took that several months trip and came back. And when he got back, there he was. He met some disciples that had not heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And this is Acts chapter 19 in your Bible. And they had not heard about water baptism using the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost not names, but that name. Not the titles of the Godhead, but the name. He had began to understand that name. And, but they had not understood yet that there was a name. And he said, under what then were you baptized? And they said, well, it had to be water baptism. And they said, under John's baptism. That proves they were thinking about water baptism. And he said, John only baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And the Bible said, as I quote, and when they heard this they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and then the Bible said that he laid hands on them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and the Bible said they spake with other tongues hallelujah hallelujah it's real that world came into this world that world transformed people's life it is as real as God himself hallelujah Thank the Lord for it. It's a great thing to know. There's been something been happening to me. I'm going to try to quit in five minutes. I hope I can. That only means my hope. But anyway, 
I hear it's happened several times. In this pulpit, it's happened two or three times. The first time an angel tapped me on the shoulder was in West Monroe, Louisiana. That was before the, the Duck Dynasty was a dynasty. They were just baby quackers back then. <laughs> but back in the 19, early 1980s, I was preaching in West Monroe, Louisiana. And, and, uh, and, and I, was, I had been preaching. I kind of backed up a little bit. And I turned. And I, then I had a handheld mic. And I said, excuse me. And I went on preaching. And I didn't think anything about it. I thought I got back too far and kind of bumped into the pastor or something. I, but I was in the middle of preaching. And I was just going at it. And I just said, excuse me. And I put the mic in front of my mouth and kept preaching. Well, after, well, when the pastor got up afterward, he said, folks, I want you to understand something. There's no doubt in my mind this evangelist, Brother James Barnum, has, has, just, has just bumped into an angel. He said, I've watched his expressions, and I thought for sure I had bumped into somebody. I felt it on my physical body as I bumped into it and said, excuse me. But he says, we all know, and the whole church, I didn't know what they were all lit up about, but the whole church realized there was nothing there for me to touch, and yet the whole church realized I thought I had bumped into something. There are some times that the angels are there, and we just get so close, and they get so close, we accidentally bump into each other. Hallelujah. It's real. It's real. Why don't you just give a little bit of effort? I'm telling you, if you'll give a little bit of effort, your health problems will be helped. Your marriage problems will be helped. Your financial problems will be helped. If you'll just work at it, if you'll reach for it, reach for it. Come on, clap your hands a little. Raise your hands a little. Wave your hands a little. Praise the Lord a little. Woo! Let's stand to our feet and praise the Lord. I urge you, I, 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 I command you, I command you in the name of Jesus to worship the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I speak to you in the authority of the Holy Ghost that if you will worship God right now, that other world will touch you and help your world. Right now, right now. Healing, deliverance, help away when there is no way. Rivers in the desert. Woo! Oh, let it go, let it go, let it go. Woo! Let it go, let it go. Woo! Let it go, let it go. Shadarabaka Sandola Bahaya. Holimakasataraha. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. If you have to sit down, you can, but I'm asking you to give me a moment of standing if you can. If you see I'm going too long, you can all sit down. But I'm going to hope that it's going to help me stop. I'm going to read some verses and close with this. I feel like the Lord convicted my soul and told me there would be some hearts and lives convicted. Conviction means that God makes you feel a need for Him. When I say conviction, I'm talking about God is telling you you're not everything you need to be. That's what conviction means to, to us in the Spirit. And that you need something you don't have. That's what I mean when I say conviction. It means a lot more by vocabulary. Romans chapter 1, begin with verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, from heaven, against all ungodliness and righteousness of men 
And this is a sad thing, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, meaning they know what the Bible says, but they just won't do it. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Verse 20, the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Really? Did you hear what I just said? What kind of things? Invisible things are clearly what? Really? Invisible is seen? Is that possible? It says it is. Y'all know that a few times right here on this platform, it happened again about 10 days ago, whatever it was, about Sunday night before last, I think it was. I was just really going through some frustrating, really frustrating things in my life, just really frustrating. And I really just, you know, those times you just feel like, I don't even want to go to church. You ever felt that way? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> well, I, hate, I hope I don't bust your bubble, but I felt that way a time or two. And my wife says, you've got to. You're the pastor At that time, but but I, I was feeling low that night, and I was sta- I was standing right here. No, no, no. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, I was. I was standing right here, and I'm telling you, somebody put their hand right over my shoulder, just like people do back my armor bearer, or somebody does, Sister Kim, maybe Pastor, put a hand on my shoulder like they want to tell me something. And I look back. I'm telling you, I look back, truly expecting to see somebody leaning over, ready to tell me something, and there wasn't anything there. Now, y'all, 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 y'all that have been here a while know that that's happened to me a few times on this platform where, where something tapped on my shoulder. But that just about 10 days ago when I so, I so needed a touch from that other world, I got it. I got it. But I, didn't, I wasn't sitting there with my head down, you know, my bottom lip like a road grader or something. You know, I was worshiping the Lord. Even though I felt like my hands weighed a ton, I was praising the Lord. And that world come over and put his hand on my shoulder and made all the difference in my feelings, in my heart. And it can happen today. Today for you. Today for you. Verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Many times we see things that are made and it helps us understand the spiritual things. Even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse because God has showed it to them in a number of ways. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Hear me. You know God's real. You know God is talking to you. You know what's right. Hear the rest of these verses because God wants to use these verses not to condemn you, but just to touch you and prick you and, and convict you a little so that you'll pray. So you'll give your whole self to Him. Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Verse 21. Neither were thankful. But here's what happened to them. They became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Yes, the Bible. What's new? The Bible said that we would be thought to be fools. And Paul even said, fool for Christ. Yes, the natural, the temporal things, we'll always think these supernatural, eternal things are foolish. 
verse 23, and changed. These people that thought they were so smart and wise, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. People are not born with moral corruption. They, that moral corruption is developed by a series of events and a series of experiences in that direction. And then the Bible said that God at some point says, you want it? That's what you are. So therefore they say, I can't help it, this is what I am. What does the Bible say? I'm not trying to be hard on somebody or hard on God. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, listen, to dishonor their bodies between themselves. What do you think it's talking about, folks? Yes, that adults here know exactly what it's talking about. Why? Because these people, verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature. Huh? We need to be healthy, but we don't need to start idolizing our body. That's a long stretch to do that, too, because I don't know if hardly anybody that's really completely happy with their body. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, and even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Come on. People that say the Bible don't have anything to say about certain kinds of living. What do you, come on now, what do you think that's talking about? Let's get real here. All right, I'm not going to get too far out there. I'm going to try not to. Now that verse 27. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman. What do you think that's talking about? Come on now, get real. Get real, yes. Leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men. What do you think that's talking about? I'm not talking to you, but I'm just talking to the world. Don't look at me like I'm ignorant. People quote this Bible. People don't even believe in God quote this Bible because it's got so much wisdom in it. This is not me. This is the Holy Word of God saying this. Huh? 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 I've only got this verse and one more verse. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemingly. Believe me, to me and to most people, it is unseemingly. It don't even seem to be right to me. And then because of that, though, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat, which is basically saying they want it, they go after it, they, they work themselves through pornography, they work themselves through various experiences and, and conversations, and, and they just keep going and keep going and keep going until they finally say, well, this is what I am and I was born this way. That's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible clearly tells us it's a step-by-step-by-step-by-step progression in two. And this is not the only place, but this is the place I'm going to leave you with today. And I'm not talking about one thing, please. This speaks of anything that is not right with God. It's not just talking about sensual matters. Please, can I bring your mind now a different way? Go with me now. Let's go out of that dark place and let's move on. Receiving themselves that recompense of their error. Verse 28, the last one. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Those things which are not convenient. Ask Cy Robertson. He'll tell you what's not convenient. He got chewed up all over the media for saying what's not convenient about what we're reading about. It's not convenient. It's not natural. It's not typical. It's not normal. It's not... So what I'm saying to all of us, first of all, church of the living God, we don't have to have hate and we better not have hate no matter what kind of lifestyle people live. We better not have hate in our heart toward other people. No matter how evil they are, we need to pray for them. We, and if, they, if they're evil enough to be locked up, they need to be locked up if it's a crime. But we don't need to hate even criminals. But we don't, listen, I want you to know this. Don't feel uncomfortable. Don't tighten up when a preacher starts talking about stuff like this. Amen. Don't get uncomfortable and start squirming and start thinking, oh boy, I don't know. Listen, we're not hating anybody. But we've got to speak what's right. If you've got sons and daughters growing up, you better love it when the pastor or bishop preaches what's right. If you've got grandchildren coming on, if you've got generations, oh, Lord, if you're a young married or even any married person, if you've got a husband or a wife, thank God for the pastor and bishop preaching what is right because that world comes into our world and delivers us and sanctifies us Hallelujah. and forgives us and redeems us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Him out loud. Praise Him out loud. Hallelujah. Praise Him out loud. Hallelujah. Let the Lord work. Hallelujah. Let the Lord work. Let the Lord work right now. Let the Lord work right now. There's healing virtue. There is healing virtue. The body coming on you now. There is deliverance in your soul coming on you now. There's the gift of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Spirit coming on us now. Praise Him. And let the Holy Ghost cause you to begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. It's the new birth right now. Now it is the new birth. Oh, ho, oh. yes, yes, yes. Now yes. some were shouting. Yes. yes, hallelujah. Let it happen. And some lying down on the floor. The more we lose control of ourselves, the more he does. Some dancing in the spirit. In the spirit. From the pulpit back to the door. That's what causes him to take over. Some were shaking. Others quake That's what allows us to give our flesh and over. One by one they fell. Oh yes. And then all at once a brother shook. Yes. He must have been having a spell. But it's real. Believe it. It's real. Believe it. I know it's real. It's a Pentecostal blessing. I know I 
Send your voice up yeah, to God, please. Yeah. Send your voice up yeah. to God. <laughs> your voice can be heard in heaven. Touch that other world. The Bible says the angel heavens uh, rejoice over a sinner that repents. Uh, Repentance causes heaven to get in an uproar rejoicing. Israel, Israel. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever it is, great or small, give it to God. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Get right with God. Go on with God. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Yes, yes, yes. You can get it there. You can come up here. Do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. Wondering what the world might say. You might invite somebody and bring them. I knew they did not like it. Some folks that would just but come just up here. A day or two ago, kind of just come up close and join I've together. I heard an old friend say that when they got religion, come on, if you come, you won't be by yourself. This way. You won't be by yourself. But come on. It's real. It's, it's real. real. I know it's real. It's a Pentecostal lesson. And I know. yourself. Uh, you won't be by yourself. Get a hold of it. I want us to get ready to shout hallelujah, hallelujah. with all of our hearts. Because you see there's something about praises and then there's something about the Bible hallelujah. said being in one mind and one accord or in one accord and in one place. Hallelujah. There's something powerful about that. Uh, there's something powerful about you joining in this praise right now. Yeah. I'm going to count to three and I want us to shout hallelujah, hallelujah. and then say it over and over. Would you uh, do it? One, two, three. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive your healing. Receive your Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. 
Brethren, sisters, pray for one another, worship the Lord. Let the Lord have his way for a few minutes here right now. In the name of Jesus. Glory. 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 Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, let it go. Let it flow. Let it go. Let it flow. Let it go. on this this morning because we are also fighting a devil that we don't see and God is getting his church ready and he is touching hearts and people and he is bringing them in he's bringing them toward him and the church has got to be powerful the church has got to be in tune with the word and the church has got to be in tune with that other world with that other world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While the bishop was preaching, I looked across this congregation, and I'm going to tell you, we have saints here that have prayed and touched that other world. They have got a hold of their families in that other world. They have absolutely, totally healed their marriages in that other world. They have brought their children back from death's door and from destruction and brought them back because they got into that other world and the Holy Ghost moved for them. Oh, I so believe in the power of God. Oh, no greater power. No greater power. No greater power. No greater power. You don't have to be bound by anything. You don't have to be bound by anything. There is no greater power in the Holy Ghost. Oh, oh, oh. 
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh. We just had this uh, several weeks of, of prayer over there in the church. Tomorrow night we have prayer also. But they just did, just the saints in the church just did a, uh, some women got together. They had 50, 40 people every night, uh, the nights that they had this. And I'm going to tell you this church, we are lining up with the Lord right now. Oh, let's get this carnality behind us. Let's get the world behind us. Let's get Jesus in front of us. Let's get heaven here. Oh, let us hook up to that other world. Oh, it can change everything about you. It can change your circumstance. It can change your family. Oh, let's hook up to that other world. Oh, my God. Uh, these are the kind of service where I just feel like I could stay here at the church all day. I could just be here with the Lord all day. Oh, I want to hook up with that other world. Thank you, Jesus. 